what if Jeremiah 29:11 is actually not saying what most people think it's saying? What if it wasn't intended to be used the way that Christians use it now? In fact, you might even be surprised at what God is actually saying in this passage. The verse goes like this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Is it possible that we've been looking at this passage all wrong this whole time? Join me as we take a deep dive into this amazingly popular verse. Hey, welcome to Second Tree Podcast. I'm March Villarreal, and I do deep dives into popular, almost cliche Bible verses and stories to uncover truths that we sometimes miss. Today, we're going to take a look at Jeremiah 29, 11. And so hang around till the end to learn more about the podcast and what's coming up next. Chances are you've heard of Jeremiah 29, 11. There's a good reason why. It's everywhere. Coffee mugs, t-shirts, bookmarks, calendars, you name it. Basically, any piece of Christian merchandise that has been sold or can be sold has had this verse attached to it. People quote it, they post it, they share it, text, teach it. Christians are constantly teaching each other and reminding each other of God's plan for them and how he wants to prosper them. And that's probably why it's so popular. I mean, who doesn't want to be prosperous? The problem is we strip the verse, in fact, any verse, of all its true power and significance by removing it from its context. Context is the power of the verse, and the big picture is the power of any passage. When we remove a sentence from a greater story that God had intended to tell, we do two things. We rob ourselves of the actual blessing that God had meant for us, and we improperly personalize a story in a way that might not be its original purpose. So what's the context? Let's do some history. After Solomon died, the kingdom that was made up of 12 tribes was split into two nations, the north and the south. The north was called Israel with the capital of Samaria. The south was called Judah with its capital being Jerusalem. I have a ditty that I try to use to remember this. It's JJ is. Jerusalem and Judah, Israel and Samaria. Now, the north only had evil kings, and so God sent several prophets to them to call them to repentance. If you would remember, Elisha and Elijah were a couple of prophets that were sent to the north. They never listened, and they never turned back to God, and so God sent the Assyrians to wipe up the north. The south had some good kings. But eventually, they also fell into wickedness and idolatry, just like the north. And so God sent several prophets to the south, Jeremiah being one of those prophets. Now, God eventually sent the Babylonians to Judah. But what we don't hear preached or taught often is that there are a couple of reasons for that. One, Babylon was used by God to judge them, just like the Assyrians was used to judge the north. But secondly, it was to protect the remnant and keep them safe. We're going to talk about that a little later. So in the long line of prophets, Jeremiah was the last one sent to the original Judah. And he saw the ruin of Jerusalem under a foreign pagan nation. In fact, the book of Lamentations was written by Jeremiah. And it was a sorrowful reaction to the destruction of Jerusalem under the hands of the Babylonians. Now, remember the Assyrians? They defeated and scattered the northern nation of Israel, 
Well, about 609 BC, Babylon defeated the Assyrians as the world power. And so they went around doing their world domination campaign and eventually they came to Jerusalem. And around 586 BC, Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians. The Babylonians scattered, they killed, and they deported the nation of Judah, the remaining nation of Judah, to Babylon. And they were to stay there for 70 years as God has planned. This time of history is called the Babylonian exile or the exilic period. In fact, Daniel, along with Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, you might know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all of those guys were deported to Babylon. In fact, the setting for the book of Daniel is Babylon. Now here is where Jeremiah 29:11 comes in. Chapter 29 of Jeremiah is a letter from God through the pen of Jeremiah to the surviving citizens of Jerusalem who are now in Babylon. Chapter 29, contrary to what anyone might assume, God does not tell them to rebel, fight, or resist the captivity in Babylon. Quite opposite. In Jeremiah 29 verses 4 to 7, God commands the surviving Hebrews to thrive there. God tells them, build houses, plant gardens, get married, have kids, and increase. Verse 7 says, And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive, and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. God actually says, pray for the prosperity of Babylon. Verse 10 God says, For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. So he gives them a timetable, a specific date of deliverance for God to take them back home. Which brings us to Jeremiah 29, 11. The NIV is the most popular version used in this verse, so let's take a look at it. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I think most of us would agree that that is a powerful verse. In fact, what we find out in the landscape of history is God used the Babylonian exile as an incubator to protect the remnants of Judah during a very unstable time in the world. And from a bigger picture, as it affects us, the bloodline of the Messiah was preserved and protected during the time of exile. If you look at Jesus' family tree found in Luke 3 and Matthew 1, you'll see his bloodline come through the exile. With that, don't you think that it's more praiseworthy to see the whole picture than simply cutting and pasting a verse into our lives and assuming that it applies to us? What we see is God working both at the global and historical level and also at the personal level. We see God working all things for good, but not just for our personal good or comfort or preference, but for His greater good and purpose and plan. What we really see is God's ways and thoughts higher than our ways and our thoughts. And even though we may not understand every step, we can certainly take comfort in knowing that the end result will be a masterpiece that will bring Him the most glory. And so now, next time you hear Jeremiah 29, 11 covered or quoted in a Bible study or printed somewhere, you're going to have a lot more to think about. Thank you for listening to this episode of Second Tree Podcast and our deep dive into Jeremiah 29, 11. 
I want to actually invite you to partner with me for this greater work that I'm doing. There's a couple of reasons why I'm actually doing these podcasts. One, I'm deeply passionate about teaching the Word of God as it is meant to be taught and to break away from what we assume about these texts. Second, I'm actually working on a couple of book projects that I'm aiming to publish, and I'm using this podcast as one of the ways to fund that publishing so I can push it to those who need it. If those are efforts you feel good supporting, then go to secondtreepodcast.com. That's the number two, N-D, tree, podcast, one word, no hyphens, no underscore, dot com. There you're going to find more information about these podcasts and ways to support projects I'm working on. Thank you, God bless you, and remember, be quick to listen.